Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Is the judicial system grinding to a halt? Today on Parts Rebellion, we talk about all the environmental litigation that could essentially be frozen because of the global pandemic. Hello, and welcome back once again to Parts Per Billion, the environmental podcast from Bloomberg Law, and welcome back once again to my spare bedroom where I'm recording this episode, and if the uh, upstairs neighbors turn on their vacuum, then uh, my apologies for that. Uh, So I don't think it's news to anyone that the global coronavirus pandemic, which as of today, March 25th, has infected more than 42,000 people in the U.S. alone, has changed some things. The federal courts, which is what our focus is today, might be going into hibernation to prevent the spread of the disease. But the environment doesn't sleep, so that means all the environmental litigation that we talk about here so often on Parts Per Billion is, well, who knows? You know who does know, actually, Bloomberg Law's Ellen Gilmer, and Ellen is with us today. So, Ellen, we went over this before on our sister podcast, Cases and Controversies, which if you're into the Supreme Court, uh, I would definitely recommend checking out. But can you just, you know, sort of talk about really briefly what some of the courts have been doing in response to the virus and and the changes that they've made? Sure. So just broadly speaking, you know, the courts have been doing a lot to respond to the pandemic. A lot of courthouses have closed their doors to the public. Uh, The Supreme Court has postponed several oral arguments that were scheduled Uh, The D.C. Circuit has done the same, um, and it's holding some other arguments by teleconference, by phone. Other circuits are also doing the same thing. They're either postponing cases or looking at their options um, for holding them, for holding arguments in in sort of a non-traditional way or sometimes deciding cases without oral arguments. Um, So they're just saying, you know, we were going to have an oral argument and now we're not. Let's just not do that. Well, and that's just something that happens occasionally uh, in in appellate courts. I haven't seen that happen yet, but they're looking at that as one of their options for how to deal with all these canceled in-person proceedings. Yeah. And then everything else, I guess, is just done by paper and filings and things like that. So that can just sort of go forth the same way. Right, right? exactly. Although a lot of uh, attorneys are, are asking for deadline or deadline extensions and stuff because everybody's dealing with, with sort of uh, disrupted schedules. Yeah. Let's talk about specifically environmental cases uh, that have been affected by this. What what cases uh, have been affected and and what happened in those cases? So the biggest disruption so far is to uh, a big case at the D.C. Circuit that has to do with pipelines. We have talked about it on the Parts Per Billion podcast before. Uh, It has to do with uh, basically when can a pipeline opponent get to court when it's challenging an approval by federal regulators. Um, This was a big case. We know it was a big case because the D.C. Circuit was going to hear it on bonk, meaning before all the active judges. That doesn't happen very often. Uh, It was scheduled to be heard on March 31st. So far, they've just postponed it about a month. Uh, So it remains to be seen, you know, whether that date in late April is really going to happen or if they're going to 
to do it by teleconference, which they have done for for another recent case, um, or do something else. And then there's there's another pipeline case, but this one gets into a a specific pipeline instead of sort of the the federal government's pipeline approval process. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So we had an interesting situation. Uh, recently where there was a a pretty high stakes hearing that was scheduled for the Dakota Access oil pipeline. Uh, Dakota Access runs from North Dakota to Illinois, uh, but it did spawn just huge protests, thousands of people camping out in North Dakota uh, to oppose the project, really driven by tribes and tribal advocates uh, who were opposed to the route. So there's the Dakota Access pipeline case that's been affected. There's also a, a case from the Flint water crisis, which by the way is still being litigated and that's been affected as well. Yeah, that's right. The Sixth Circuit, which is the appellate court that's based in Cincinnati, it was scheduled to hear oral arguments in in one of these appeals that stems from the Flint water crisis uh, just in mid-March. And the same court was supposed to hear another, yet yet another pipeline case, a pipeline safety case, a few days later, and both of those were canceled. They haven't been rescheduled yet. And so we don't know what's, what's going to happen with those. All right, so we're going to take a quick break now, uh, but when we come back, we're going to get way more into the Dakota Pipeline case, and uh, Ellen is going to tell us about a pretty surreal hearing that she attended earlier this week. Don't go anywhere. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. All right, we're uh, back and we're talking with Ellen Gilmer uh, about the environmental litigation that's been canceled, postponed, uh, delayed as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. So let's talk specifically about the Dakota Pipeline case. You had to go to a hearing in this case recently, uh, but I imagine this was a very bizarre scenario. Can you set the scene for us here? Sure. So instead of delaying a big high stakes hearing in the Dakota Access litigation, the district court in D.C. decided to go ahead with it. Uh, this is a case that's been going on forever. Uh, at this point, you know, tribes are still trying to shut down this pipeline that is in service now, pumping oil from North Dakota to Illinois. So they're still trying to shut it down. They've challenged the latest federal uh, review for the for the pipeline, and they had a big hearing scheduled on March 18th. Uh, Instead of delaying the hearing, like a lot of courts were doing that week and are still doing, uh, the court decided to do it all by teleconference. And he ordered, the the judge ordered all of the lawyers to call in by phone. Sure. Uh, That that makes sense. 
problem for me, a member of the media, is they won't just hand out that uh, conference call number. Uh, and they also wouldn't live stream the proceedings or offer any kind of live audio or anything like that. Of course. So, yeah. So the courthouse is closed to the public, but it's still open to the media. So I went to a very weird uh, court hearing in which uh, I, I sat in a big courtroom with the judge presiding, wearing his robe like usual, presiding like it was normal. Um but he was presiding over a conference call. So I'm picture I'm picturing the podium where the attorneys would talk, and I'm just picturing like a, a speaker. Is that what it was? No, I mean he just had some sort of you know your standard office phone line set up, and and court okay. staff. There were a couple of court staff members in there, and they were the ones who were actually pressing all the buttons and, and doing that. Um, and then there uh, there were two people in the spectator section, myself and another reporter. And it was just a big empty room, uh, and we listened to a phone call. I guess you you had to. You, you, I imagine you didn't sit next that close to the other reporter. You you kept your social distancing, right? Oh yes, we all stayed very far apart. Uh, I came armed with hand sanitizer and uh, wipes. I wiped down my whole seat <laughs> before I sat out of an abundance of caution. Yeah. So. That's that's really strange, and I think it shows how the courts are kind of taking, I don't want to say half measures, but I think are, you know, inventing the plan as they, they implement the plan here, where, you know, they have the, the uh, attorneys on speakerphone, they don't want the attorneys to come in, but they don't make a plan for members of the public or the press, you know, people in, in our profession on how to get this information to them as well. That's right. Um, you know, it, it the court had to figure out a plan for this in in a, in a short amount of time, just a couple of days. Uh, the district court in D.C. doesn't usually offer any kind of audio streaming, but the D.C. Circuit, which is in the exact same federal courthouse, it does. So we were really hoping, we members of the media were really hoping that the court would be able to to offer the the audio live streaming for this um but uh, at the end of the day they they weren't they didn't provide a reason but they weren't able to do it uh and that meant you know these myself and this other reporter were able to be in there but no other press were in there um because presumably they were following work from home orders from their offices and also members of the public did not have any access to this um the the best the court could offer was well you can pay for the transcript once it's available oh, right which which could be weeks from now possibly yeah. um so let's talk about the case itself uh, you know, it seems like the judge in this case is really motivated to keep this going. Um, what is the significance here? Why is why do they do they take these extraordinary measures to have this hearing? And what will happen if they ultimately sort of, you know, wave the white flag and say, all right, we have to delay this. This We can, just can't keep doing this like this. Well, at this point, all of the in-person proceedings that need to happen have happened. So now it's just on the judge to to write an opinion um, so he can sit at home or in his office and, and do that. Uh, but, you know, there was pressure to, to keep the case on schedule because the litigation has been going on for so long, uh, because the court uh, a couple of years ago, almost three years ago, ordered the federal government to do a, an added level of environmental review. The government did that, and the tribes said that environmental review was still insufficient. And so that's what the current 
you know, dispute is is based on. And they've just been fighting it for so long, they really want to shut off the flow of oil. The pipeline runs about a half mile from the Standing Rock Sioux Reservation in North Dakota. Uh, the tribe doesn't think the federal government and the pipeline operator have done enough analysis of, of various oil spill risks. So they'd like to shut off the flow of oil. Uh, and, and that's what they're pushing the court to do. So the longer a decision gets delayed, you know, the, the longer it goes that they don't have an opportunity to, to get that relief that they're seeking. Okay, wrapping things up here, though, let's talk big picture. We're talking about specific cases, you know, we have a handful of cases that have been delayed. But how long can this go on for? I mean, you spoke with John Cruden, who is one of the uh, you know country's premier environmental attorneys. He was the head of the Department of Justice's environmental division back in the Obama administration. He said that courts can handle a few weeks, that they've done this before, you know, after uh, natural disasters or after 9-11, but that the courts can't really handle a few months of this. What if what if this isn't for a few months? What, what's going to happen? Well, I imagine courts will uh, really speed up their embrace of technology, for one. Um, We all have. Right. But uh, there are some priorities that they'll have to, I mean, they'll have to to make some decisions uh, and prioritize things. So criminal cases generally have priority. Uh, You know, people have a right to a speedy trial and all of this. Um, And most of of the environmental cases that we we cover are, are not criminal cases. Correct. Occasionally, there are environmental criminal cases, but generally, generally, we are covering civil cases. So those are not going to be top priority. That doesn't mean they'll be set aside. But um, it, it does mean that if the court is struggling to, you know, handle its full docket, that that's not going to be the first thing it gets done on its list. Um, and then, you know, urgent motions, like if a party is filing a motion for a preliminary injunction or a restraining order to to block a project in its tracks, those things will still probably get decided quickly. Uh, you know, judges can can handle those just through, you know, the filing of, of briefs online. Um, judges can re- read those briefs and issue their decisions online if they need to hear oral argument. Um, you know, it depends on how much technology they're embracing. Uh, but I don't expect that... Uh, you know, a, a te- technological issue would stop them from deciding a really urgent matter. And then really quickly, let's talk about rulemaking. Um, you know, the Trump administration is defending a lot of its environmental rules. Uh, I'm thinking of a rule that governs power plant emissions, uh, clean water uh, emissions from automobiles and, and other motor vehicles. Uh, is this delay good or bad for them? Uh, I'm, I'm genuinely confused and not really sure if this helps or hurts the administration. So it's generally not thought to be a good thing for the administration. And here's why. Basically, the the like you mentioned, the administration has finalized all these environmental regulations. Right. Most of them are either rollbacks or kind of weakened replacements for Obama era rules. Yeah. Um, some some go back farther to to things that are that predate the Obama administration. Um, 
the Trump administration has an interest in decide or getting these things litigated quickly uh, because if they get an adverse decision from, say, the D.C. Circuit, they want to be totally sure they're the ones who are going to be in office to file a cert petition, file an appeal, um, to, to take follow-up action once uh, they get a decision. So, for example, the power plant rule you mentioned, that's the affordable clean energy rule from EPA. The Trump administration has said, we want to litigate this quickly. We have an interest in getting this done fast. Um, and when you say done fast, it means they, they essentially they want to get it to the Supreme Court as soon as possible before the end of the, the, the president's term. Correct. Uh, in case there's a change in administration. So they want to get it. They want a decision from the D.C. Circuit basically this calendar year uh, so that if it's if it's a decision that's not in their favor, they have a chance to file a cert petition and the Supreme Court can take it up. Um, honestly, the the timeline for a lot of these cases has has already slipped. Uh, so it was already looking like the Trump administration wasn't going to be able to get that ideal timeline for the litigation. Um, however, you know, extra, even an extra few weeks, it, it doesn't help. Um, it, it shouldn't affect it a whole lot. So the affordable clean energy rule case, that's the power plant case. Uh, they just delayed yesterday. Um, they just delayed the timeline by a few weeks for briefs. Um, and the D.C. Circuit still has to hear oral arguments in that case in the fall. So we're probably not looking at a big difference there. I mean, the way the, the courts typically work, a delay of a few weeks could have happened even without a, a global pandemic. You know, Totally. Yes. Their delays are very common here. Yes. All right, that is it for today's episode of Parts Per Billion. Ellen and our other reporters have been doing amazing work during this crazy time. So check out their great work at our website, news.bloombergenvironment.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergenvironment.com. Today's episode of Parts Per Billion was produced by myself, along with Josh Block and Marissa Horn. Parts Per Billion was created by Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle. The music for today's episode is A Message by Jazar and Ghost by Tom Thumb. They were used under a Creative Commons license. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Taxes and accounting are complicated, but finding a good tax podcast shouldn't be. I'm Siri Belusu, and I'm Amanda Icone. Listen to Talking Tax, the podcast that breaks down all of these issues on a weekly basis. Every Thursday, Talking Tax will explain the latest issues for you, from what Congress is working on to legal rulings, to the global digital tax debate. Download and subscribe to Talking Tax wherever you get your podcasts. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.